this is your host, Kim, from the MIS and CAP team, and welcome to the Real Women's Forum, where we discuss topics including, but not limited to, trusted relationships, sexual health, hygiene, racial issues, and misogyny. Recently, we have added subjects that pertain to youth and have created a section under our podcast named Adolescence with an X, where we'll speak on topics that specifically relate to the youth in our community. Before we start, a small disclaimer. The Real Women's Forum podcast does not issue any medical advice. Instead, the podcast serves as a safe and brave space for women and other members of the community to discuss, voice common concerns, and share their experiences. We encourage you to visit MISN's website to seek information on specialized programs regarding health insurance, improving birth outcomes, and educating teens on the risks of being sexually active. I would also like to add a trigger warning. In this episode, we are going to be discussing subjects that may be sensitive and upsetting to some of our listeners. We will be discussing substance use, drug overdoses, and deaths resulting from overdoses. Viewer discretion is advised, and of course, we urge our listeners to do whatever they feel is necessary to care for themselves even if that means maybe skipping through the episode. That being said, today we are here with Stevenson Monterey and Megan Robbins from Team Newberg. Welcome, Stephen and Megan, and thank you for being here with us today. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Of course. So can you please start off by introducing yourself and just talking a little bit about the work that you do? My name is Stevenson. I'm with Catholic Charities Team Newberg. I am the prevention aide, but I also do the outreach coordinate, um, coordinating for Team Newberg. My passion is to be out in the community, giving out information about some of the things that we have in the community and how people can access help. A lot of what I enjoy doing is really bringing the information to the public so that they know it's available. I love to be outside talking to our community. Good morning. Um, I'm Megan Robbins and I'm the team Newber coordinator. So we, as Stevenson had mentioned, we're kind of like the bridge between the community and community resources. At the heart of everything we do is prevention, specifically on substance use prevention, but we have over 150 affiliates with Team Newberg, and that ranges from mental health, from substance use prevention, youth groups, all of these different things, and that makes up our awesome coalition that we have. Um, and I will say, MISN has attended events hosted by both Catholic Charities and Team Newberg, and we really can tell that this organization is all for just building up the community and empowering the community. So thank you both for being such active members in Newburgh and surrounding counties as well, and for just having an overall impact on the communities that we serve. Thank you. We we uh, we think we enjoy what we do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, I can tell. You're always very enthusiastic about the work that you're doing. So yeah. Uh, as you may know, August 31st is International Overdose Awareness Day, um, a global event held each year to rally against overdose, remember with stigma those who have died, as well as acknowledge the grief of the family and friends left behind. We wanted to talk to you both about such an important topic and get to know your knowledge and your expertise on the subject as well. So can you explain what an overdose is and signs and symptoms to look out for that indicate a possible overdose? So an opioid overdose is essentially when there's too many opioids in the body, right? So 
um, when the, the body has too many opioids in it, um, the victim becomes unresponsive. So it's essentially oxygen deprivation. Basically, we have receptors in our brain, and unfortunately, opioids fit perfectly on those receptors. And when there's too many blocking those receptors, you become unresponsive and you essentially stop breathing and it affects all of your vital organs like your heart and your brain. So some signs to look for is blue lips. Sometimes your fingertips are like sunken in almost. The body is very limp and um, some people will see someone in like the nodding pro kind of process of the whole thing. So they'll kind of be nodding in and out, but essentially when an overdose happens, they are completely unresponsive. They're really not breathing. Sometimes they have a gurgling sound and they could be vomiting as well. Some of the things you want to look out for is also the eyes. If you open the eyes, the pupils will be really pinpoint versus really dilated. So those are, that's a sign of a opiate overdose. And that's the biggest thing we want to make sure the community knows because there are so many different narcotics out there and people are wonder if, you know, is this opioid related or is it not? And the, the like Stevenson said, the eyes are a telltale sign that it is opioids. And are these symptoms symptoms that are usually going to occur through all opioid overdoses or are these symptoms um, usually not going to present themselves across everyone? So most of them happen every time because again, eventually you, you just stop breathing. So all those little signs, it could happen, you know, over the course of a few hours and it could happen in the course of like half an hour. The issue what we're facing right now with fentanyl, which is a synthetic opioid, it's happening much faster. The opioids are happening much faster. What it used to take maybe two or three hours for someone to pass away because of an overdose now only takes, you know, minutes, unfortunately, with uh, the fentanyl going around. There's only three milligrams that could take an average size male to die from an overdose with, with fentanyl. So we want to make sure the community is aware of that as well. Wow, that's that's insane. Three milligrams. That's all it takes. Yes, it's like it specs. It's it's very, very scary. It is. And I think that there's a lot of like general stigma surrounding just opioid overdoses. Uh, I think that also um, some people tend to have misconceptions about a certain group of people using like um, drugs or just getting overdoses or a specific group of people, which I know isn't the case. So can you explain like, who's at risk of experiencing an overdose? I mean, everybody's at risk. You know, everybody is from a child to the elderly, because uh, a lot of times what's happening is for the elderly, they might not remember that they took their pain medication. They take extra. So that could create an overdose. Child, you know, they could be playing in the medicine cabinet and then taking pills by accident. That could create an overdose. So a lot of times it's not so much a drug user. It could be accidental. That's why, as far as we're concerned, we do a lot of education and preventing stuff like that from happening. So that's why we talk about, you know, if you have old medication that you're not using, let's get rid of it. We have lock caps where it actually you have to put a code in in order for you to get that medication. We also have stuff like medication trackers where you write down what time you took your medication so that way you can remember that you took that. We have people who have mental health problems. They're in pain. So like they're looking for something um, to subside that pain. So they're susceptible. We have a wide array of um, people are susceptible to drug use.
And also, you know, I like that Stevenson said it's everyone because it's this this whole thing where we want to make sure that the stigma is addressed in the community as well. Like it could affect anyone, no matter what block you live on, what part of the city you live in, it could affect everyone. The populations that are most at risk for an overdose usually is um, anyone that just came out of rehab that first like 48 hours afterwards is extremely difficult for someone that just came out of rehab. Someone with post-incarceration as well, that is also a really tough time for people to get back into the community that sometimes triggered them to, to use drugs. Sometimes mixing different narcotics could also make you more at risk for an overdose. And something as simple as unstable housing and unstable like family relations, it's like all those things affect people. If you're feeling hopeless, you know, a lot of people turn to drugs, unfortunately. So we want to make sure that people are getting the help they need so that they don't turn to drugs. I do know that a high-risk population for opiate overdoses are people who recently had surgery and they have pain medication. I know it's a big one. But I think the elderly are often overlooked. There's a lot of campaigns going around to protect children from medications. There's a lot of like safety locks, like you said. But I think that the elderly are a population that aren't really talked enough about. And I do think that it's important to increase awareness of campaigns such as medication trackers and having that kind of be more normalized when it comes to, I guess, like pharmacies, um, the way that they package medications. Right, definitely. That's why a lot of what we do is we're, like I said, we're out of the community. We usually do a drug take back day, you know, two to three times a year where we actually go to like some of the senior housings and let them know we're going to be here with Newburgh PD and we'll take whatever drug you have that you're not using and we'll, you know, bring it back and dispose of it. So that service we provide because we understand the importance of our elders. Sometimes they don't have the means to go to the police station. So that's why we come to them and we allow them to just, you know, let us know let give us the drugs and we'll dispose of it. So, you know, that's one of the things we'll do. And unfortunately, we have seen substance use continue to rise and overdose deaths also continuing to rise. And recently with COVID, that also exacerbated already existing problems. So now we have even more um, substance use and possible overdose deaths. So it's becoming increasingly more common. And of, of course, like it's unfortunate that we were ever to be in a situation where we find someone we know, someone we love, or even a stranger just going through an overdose. So I think it's important to kind of know what we can do if we were ever in that situation, as well as just like have our listeners know um, what they could do. So if our loved ones or someone we know, maybe even a stranger that we come across is experiencing an overdose, what should we do and like, what can we do? So I think the most important thing is to get trained in Narcan. So Stevenson and I are both trainers in Naloxone. Um, we usually partner with our National Guard Counter Drug Task Force team, and they help us train anyone. We've trained so many people in the city of Newburgh over the course of before COVID and during COVID because we understood the fact that people were feeling very, very helpless during uh, the last two and a half years of COVID. So we wanted to make sure that if we couldn't be out in the community, we did virtual ones. So we wanted to make sure that we were getting to anyone that was willing to get trained in Narcan. That would be our definitely our first step. It's usually we can do an on-the-spot Narcan training in five minutes, and we could also do a more in-depth 
Narcan training over the course of 45 minutes to an hour. But we want to the, the community to know that we will go to you. We will meet you at a restaurant. We'll meet you at a coffee shop. We'll meet you on the street. You know, we will get you trained in Narcan, give you a kit on the spot, and we will talk to you about the signs and symptoms of what an overdose looks like. And the biggest thing is education. That's what Stevenson and I love to do. We like to talk to our youth in the city about the the power of education and knowing what prescription drugs that you're taking and, you know, to know that the symptoms of it and the side effect and to know how much you're supposed to be taking. I think that it's just a thing that sometimes parents don't talk to their kids about when they're sick. You know, this is what we take and things like that. But why do we only take this much? You know what I mean? All of those things are such an important conversation to have with your kids. And what we try and focus on is that communication between adults and their children, because the parents are the forefront of prevention. So we can go into the schools and do all the programming we want. But if the parents aren't there, you know, addressing their child's concerns and having those important conversations, then what we do, you know, doesn't really matter. So we want to make sure that that conversation is at the forefront of, you know, every kitchen table in the city of Newburgh and every family gathering is that important conversation to have. When we talk about harm reduction, you know, it starts at home. It starts with being able to have those tough conversations with your kid. When is a good time to talk to them? When they ask that question. You know, if they're asking the question, that means they're curious about it. So you want to satisfy that curiosity or somebody else will. And that somebody that will might not have the same intentions as you do. If you satisfy that curiosity and talk to them, you know your child. You know how to place it delicately where they understand what you're trying to say. You know, how they should understand their body, what their body is going through, depending on the age they are, the importance of maturing, your brain developing and stuff like that. So when we talk about harm reduction, like Megan said, you know, it starts at home. It starts with you having that tough conversation with them and not just brushing it off like they don't understand. Because we're in the age of everything is on Google, everything is on YouTube. So they will YouTube it. You know, they will Google it. Do you want Google and YouTube to teach your child about their body? Or do you want to teach them? And we mentioned the importance of prevention of substance use in children and teens. Um, I think it's such an important topic just because we know that children and teens are still developing. Um, right. And substance use can obviously, of course, have adverse health effects if used early on. Can you talk about some of the impacts that substance use has on children and teens? Well, I think it's important to mention that, like you said, you know, your brain is not fully developed until you're 25. So at the, again, the heart of everything we do is prevention. So we want to make sure that we are running programming in the schools and we're, we're making sure that, you know, kids have the ability to talk to their parents, to talk to us as resources. But like you said, you know, most kid, most people in general, they don't wake up saying, I want to become a heroin addict today. It's, it progresses. So it starts with alcohol, then it can start with cannabis use, and then it can start with other drugs. So it's a progression, unfortunately. So if we can stop it at the beginning, so we can delay that onset of use for kids, you know, even with alcohol, you know, because a lot of people drink alcohol, and they want to use other narcotics. So for teens, especially if we keep delaying the onset of use until their brain is more fully developed at 25, that will hopefully, you know, pave the way of a healthy, healthy life choices for them. Yeah. And then we talk about, you know, developing brain affects how you 
are in school, how you are in athletics. We, you know, really try to convey to the the youth what um, their body is going through and what the effects of drugs and alcohol will have on that body, you know, especially if they want to be successful in the future and have different goals. So we talk about goal setting. We talk about doing other things, other positive interventions outside of doing drugs and alcohol. We talk about chasing a natural high, um, getting that high from sewing or cooking or baking, playing football, basketball, going, you for, know, a run. going <laughs> for a run, releasing those endorphins naturally because that's what it does. When you feel that you could be successful, your brain naturally releases those endorphins, those feel-good feelings, and then you have that high naturally. I think that's an important way to go about prevention and education among youth. Um, a lot of the times it's, oh, drugs are bad, uh, drugs do this, drugs ruin your life. But I like the approach that um, you take and trying to get that high from somewhere else, from daily life activities. Um, so I like that. You also mentioned naloxone and harm reduction, which we're going to get into. I know that some of our listeners may not know what naloxone and harm reduction are. So can you explain what those are and then as well as other harm reduction methods that can be used to prevent overdoses and just possibly save someone's life? Naloxone is basically the medication that reverses an overdose. So like in the beginning, we talked about the receptors. Opioids, again, fit perfectly on a brain receptor. What naloxone essentially does is it knocks off that opioid, basically allows the person to breathe again. But the issue with that is you only have a short window. So if after someone has administered naloxone, they could slip back into an overdose if they're not treated in a timely manner or the fentanyl that's going on, it may take multiple doses of Narcan to revive somebody. So it is important to, again, go to the hospital after someone administers it to you so that, you know, someone with a medical profession can look you over and things like that and make sure that you are good to go. I also want to talk about the importance of, because of the fentanyl, naloxone used to be two milligrams. Now it's four. Now they're talking about eight because of the fentanyl that's going around. It's so important to get trained in Narcan, even if you don't think that someone in your life is not using drugs or not suffering. A lot of times people are suffering in silence. So it's always good to have it with you no matter where you are, because you could be at a grocery store, you could be at McDonald's. Like there's there's so many places that people can potentially overdose. And if you have the training, it's it's so easy to save a life. And again, like we said before, the training could take five minutes. And basically if you've ever taken Flonase, it looks like it's just a little uh, plunger and it goes up someone's nostril. And basically, again, it knocks off those receptors so that you essentially save a life. That's the important thing about, about Narcan that we like to make sure the community knows about. And we've trained so many people, again, in the city of Newburgh and the surrounding areas. And we want to make sure that if you do need to get trained, again, we will meet you wherever you are at. And we'll make sure that you have all the tools necessary to help uh, your friend or loved one. And when we talk about harm reduction, we want to emphasize education. Education, 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 educating yourself on what's going on, what some of the trends are, and what you can do to really help your community or help that person. We manage our the Team Newberg page. We always put overdose trends that are going on. So we'll put like an overdose alert. So that way you know that there's a batch out there that's really harmful to people. 
again, education, education, education is, is the biggest thing, you know, when it comes to harm reduction. And then you had mentioned how you would administer the knock-in. You want to make sure that the person, when, when you approach them, that they're not responsive. So you want to make sure that you announce yourself. Are you okay? Are you all right? Do you need help? If they're not responsive, you could do a, a chest rub or pinch their ear to see if they respond to that. And then after that, you know, make sure you call 911 because, again, we want to make sure that you're safe, you know, make sure that the area that you're approaching is safe. Uh, make sure that, you know, there's space between you and the person and a proper exit. So you want to make sure you're able to get out if you need to. So once you administer the Narcan, you want to make sure that you are not over the person, but maybe behind them or on top. if they're laying down, be um, on top side. Because once you administer the Narcan, they are going to instantly wake up, you know, once they come to. So if they're sitting up real fast, you don't want to get hit or anything like that. And if they did, um, if they are overdosing, they're going to be mad because now you just took them out of their high. So that's why you want to make sure there's space between you and that person. And you are protected under the Good Samaritan the law. And Narcan itself won't hurt anybody. Um, even if you administer it and it's not a opioid overdose, then it's not going to hurt them. It's better to do it than not to do it. I think Narcan is such an important um, preventative method for overdose deaths, as well as just a, a very important harm reduction method. So for any community members, <clears throat> many of our listeners who are, you know, tuning into this episode, Megan and Stevenson both explained Narcan is very easy to be trained in and they will meet you where you are. So if you are interested in being Narcan trained, please visit like Team Newburgh's website, reach out to them and get more information on it. So our last question is, if our loved ones or someone we know is struggling with substance abuse, what can we do to help? So there's a variety of things. There's a lot of resources out there. So if you think that someone in your life is struggling with substance use, uh, they can call Catholic Charities. We do have an outpatient clinic in the city of Newburgh, and their number is 845-562-8255. And you will get paired up with either someone with a case or um, a clinician. And they will work through whatever you need. You can also utilize Hope Not Handcuffs, which um, is through the City of Newburgh Police Department right now. Um, and they're throughout many police departments in Orange County. And basically what that is, is a program where you can walk into the police department in the city of Newburgh and say, I need help with, sub with substance use. And they will call an angel and they will essentially get you help through an outpatient service or an inpatient service clinics. That's also another important way to, to get help. We also have our friends at ADAC who are located in now Middletown, and they can provide family intervention services and other prevention methods, as well as we do at Catholic Charities. Again, we're the prevention end of things, so we want to see you before it becomes an issue. That's why we work with a lot of the youth and things like that in our in our community. But if you, again, if you do have someone in your life that is struggling, there is so many resources available to you. And you can simply even just message our page at uh, Team Newburgh Take Back the City and just say, hey, I have a friend or loved one that needs help. Can you point me in the right direction? And we would gladly be able to do that for you.
Okay, well, thank you for taking the time to speak with us today and for giving us insight on just uh, signs and symptoms of overdoses and the importance of naloxone and harm reduction. Uh, it's been very enlightening. So if anyone listening is interested in being interviewed or knows someone that might be interested in being interviewed for our podcast, please reach out to us via text or call at 845-625-8606. Thank you for listening. Thank <laughs> you.